0: Welcome to the Speak As Well As You Think podcast brought to you by Vautier Communications. I'm your host, Jenny Rerick. The goal of this show is to uncover communication strategies and behaviors you can use to improve the way you show up and perform at work. I'll sit down with communication experts and professionals across different fields to uncover what effective communication looks like in action so you can apply to your own career. If you'd like a written summary of each episode, subscribe to our weekly email newsletter by visiting Communications.com. That's V-A-U-T-I-E-R communications.com. Check out the show notes for a link. Welcome back. Today, I am once again joined by John Vautier. We had a fantastic conversation on the last episode, and we're here today to talk about coaching executives. Part of what we do at Vautier Communications is work with executives on their communication skills, public speaking skills, or if they're delivering a more formal presentation, we do that as well. In this year, we've worked with quite a few executives one-on-one, and it's always a unique experience. And we felt this would be a great opportunity to talk about some of the things that distinguish executives in how they seek coaching and what their goals are and what that experience is like, because we feel there's a lot of lessons that those of us that are non-executives can learn from and implement into our own careers in order to move ourselves in that direction in communicating like an executive. So John, welcome.
1: Thanks, Jenny. Good to be back.
0: John, I want to talk first about just to give everyone a lay of the land. What types of executives have you worked with so far in your career with Fawtear?
1: Pretty much it runs the gambit. I mean, I've worked with CEOs, CFOs, COOs. I've worked with boards of directors. I've worked with individuals on the leadership team or the executive leadership team, directors, managers that are moving into that director type role. So shifting from a, you know, leading as an individual to now leading people. So it really runs, I mean, across all the industries that we've worked in, I think I've touched on most of the executive level at some point and at various times throughout their career and their growth as well.
0: Then that would lead me to ask, how would you define what who an executive is? In your mind, what, is, what does the executive title represent?
1: Yeah, the executive title really represents the ability to lead a vision, and it's no longer just leading from an individual standpoint as an individual contributor, it's now managing the leadership of an entire part of the organization, maybe an entire organization as a whole, but the different business units, the vision or mission that that organization is looking to accomplish, the direction they're looking to go, probably communicating the why behind what it is that they do and sharing why it's important that other individuals buy into that process and framework so that, again, it builds that that strong culture within an organization. But usually I see that shift from a independent contributor, as our, as I'll call it, a participant, an employee, and then moving into that leadership role is now moving into leading teams, leading, leading business units, leading organizations in a shared vision or shared approach.
0: Love that. What are some of the reasons that the executives you've worked with have sought out coaching?
1: Personal development, of course, I think comes number one. Now, a lot of them will have gone through some level of coaching, typically the way I see it, some level of coaching at some point in their careers. But usually it's a change in how they look at interacting and communicating with peers, with colleagues, with the rest of the organization. And I think something that leaders have or executives have that differentiate, differentiates them from others is a social skill set, but the ability to listen well, to empathize with different people within the organization, to be constantly curious. And I think that that leadership ability to always be striving towards change in a good way, but looking at things with with maybe different outcomes and saying, I may not know the right answer but I'd love to find out what other people feel would be significant, what other people feel would be important, what other people have in terms of input, and then being open to receiving that information. So I think from a feedback standpoint, they love two things. They love to receive feedback and seek it out. And then most of them are incredibly effective at providing feedback to others in a constructive fashion that helps build, grow, and develop, again, that cultural aspect.
0: Mm -hmm. And to build on that, as an executive, I'd imagine it can be difficult to seek feedback internally with the people that you're working with, or at least feel as though you're getting objective feedback or feedback that is constructive in a way that you can act on and actually improve. Because as you know, when we, it's difficult to give someone in a leadership position feedback. Of course, it's not impossible and they can create a culture that that's allowed. But I do think a lot of executives seek coaching for the fact that they have the opportunity for someone who is not involved in their day-to-day to give them that objective feedback that will make those incremental improvements.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's that, that goes back to that idea of being curious. And I think good leaders, good executives, people on that senior level tend to look for, what else can I be doing? And they keep it very open-ended. What are things that I could be doing differently? What are things that I could be doing more effectively? How could I be interacting with the teams in a different way? But keeping that open-ended approach to saying, what is there that I may not be aware of, or that I don't know, allows them to constantly grow and develop. And that's tends to be what separates them. They've got a very much a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's a time saver when you hire a coach, a coach is someone who has a deep expertise in a certain area. And of course, anyone can go out and read a book or watch some YouTube videos on communication and presentation skills. But that's much different than being one-on-one with someone who can give you that tailored input and coaching.
1: Yep. And it's in the moment and everything else. You know, I, I, I use the analogy all the time, especially when I'm working with senior leaders. If they've taken a golf lesson with a golf pro or a tennis lesson lesson with a tennis pro, the beauty of that is it gives very focused attention to small incremental changes that have a profound impact on performance. And I think as we look at executives, the most important thing to that level is their time. They don't want their time wasted. They don't want people to use their time poorly. And so as they seek out coaching or seek out those development opportunities, they focus so much on brevity and say, how can we maximize this interaction and get more with, with maybe less?
0: Mm-hmm. And that's a great segue into my next question, which is most often when, now we have executives who participate in group programs, which is fantastic because I do think those entry and middle level and more senior level professionals benefit from being in a group with executives that it elevates the entire group. But most often we work with executives in more of a private coaching session. Mm -hmm. How is a private coaching session with an executive different than let's say a private coaching session with a non-executive or even maybe in comparison to group programs?
1: Sure. A couple of things stand out. First is timing. So usually the structure is a smaller time window. And the reason being, Jenny, is senior leaders, executives at that level, maybe don't have the amount of time on their calendar to dedicate specifically to four hours of coaching in one given day. And so it might be 60 minutes. It might be 90 minutes. Maybe it maximizes in that two hour window. And then it's multiple touch points, And the beauty of those multiple touch points is you have an opportunity to acquire skills and then go out and apply those skills. And I'll go back to that analogy of a a golf lesson. You take a golf lesson from a pro and that pro typically works with you for maybe an hour, maybe 90 minutes. What he or she normally says after, go to the driving range, go to the putting green, go to the chipping area, go and get some repetitions in, but start to use these new tactics, techniques, tweaks, whatever we'd like to call them, apply them and then come back for our next session and let me know how they're going. Give me some feedback on what worked well, what you feel didn't work well, and then how can I start to bridge those gaps or connect those dots for you? So timing would be the first and probably most significant difference when working one-on-one or with executives compared to the, I'll, I'll call it general population of participants that we work with in, in those bigger group settings.
0: Good, and I just to build on that, I think you bring up an important point is coaching at multiple coaching sessions is an, an investment of time. but for the the point you brought up, they know that the multiple coaching sessions is really what keeps them accountable to implementing what they're learning, which is the value that's realized in hiring a coach. Now, training sessions. A one-time training session is incredible, especially if you're getting real-time coaching like we do in our programs, because you can see the change and you are armed with the skills and the know-how in order to continue to practice, but it's no different than people who hire personal trainers. Most of them know how to work out. They hire a personal trainer to keep them accountable. Yep. It's very much the same with executives. I, they, I find that they greatly appreciate, like you're saying, those multi- multiple touch points, because it it keeps them accountable to actually implementing the skills that they're learning and they realize so much more value at the end of that than maybe others would.
1: Correct, and I think they see value and importance in the journey and not just the destination. And it's not just feeling as though, oh, I finished that training program, I'm now good to go. It's realizing, okay, these little incremental changes, these little shifts or tweaks, end up being the things that have the profound impact on success, on your ability to connect with your audience, to lead business units, lead parts of the organizations, shift culture, all those things matter quite a bit, especially as you get higher in your careers or you move up that ladder.
0: Great, so timing is one thing you've mentioned. Is there any other way that a private coaching session with an executive is different than other coaching sessions?
1: I think the direction of where it goes does shift, but that's gonna be case by case, Jenny. So in some cases, the executive that I work with will come in and say, John, here's really where I wanna focus our attention. Here's where I'd get the most out of this. Now I normally open by saying, how do we wanna make good use of the time here? I keep it very open-ended because I wanna hear from them. What are they going to look at and say, that was a successful interaction or that made sense in terms of what I just dedicated timing wise. In other instances, they'll say, Don, help me understand what I don't know. And that's really where I love that they put the onus back on the coach to say, okay, here are the categories that we coach around from executive presence, to the message itself, to maybe the different delivery channels that are available to us, how to interact or manage question and answer or field questions when we may not know where they're coming from. But those are areas where they say, I don't know what I don't know. So highlight what areas you feel are most important or what are those four pillars that make effective communication exist. And then let's fill in the blanks from there and let's do some touch points. And maybe someone will say, John, I'm, I'm good with executive presence or I have knowledge or understanding in that. What I don't know or what I haven't given much thought to before is how to frame or build a message effectively for different audiences. And that's where we pivot and we shift over to that section or that quadrant, so to speak. And we focus our attention there. So I like, because it's one-on-one, it gives you so much more ability to pivot, shift and then change directions or change course. And I look at this as you know, moving a speedboat is a lot easier to do versus moving a cruise ship. And I think having that flexibility and openness allows for a good use of time.
0: I think that's an important lesson that non-executives can learn from executives is you really benefit the most from training, whether it's in a group setting and coaching in a group setting or one-on-one is either knowing going in what value looks like for you and what success looks like so that you can steer it in the direction, in that direction, or knowing what questions to ask at the beginning so that that coach and you can collaborate or co-create, what is the vision for the session that we have so that when you leave, it was valuable to you in your day-to-day and it wasn't just check the box. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And some executives I work with come to me or come to us, and it's more of a refresh dynamic. And they say, I John, I've been through this. And sometimes they've been through with me or with us before. They say, John, you and I worked together three, four years ago, and I'll often remember the interaction as well. Now they've taken a new role. They've taken on new responsibilities. They've gone a different direction in terms of leadership or style, or maybe the organization, the culture has shifted subtly, and they're looking to basically complement the skills, but now looking at it through a new lens. And then other times, I'll have executives who say, John, I've never been through something like this before. This is my first time doing this, or I wish I would have had this 10, 15 years ago. I just never had the opportunity or didn't know it existed. So I'd love for you to share with me what you feel like makes communicators effective or what makes leaders stand out or differentiate themselves from others.
0: Mm -hmm. Aside from learning from executives, the importance of establishing what value looks like at the start of a training or a coaching session, what are some other things that non-executives can learn from executives about being more effective when it comes to communication, speaking, or presenting.
1: Yeah, brevity is key. And again, when we think about, I I use this phrase in the last webinar, but it's as much as necessary, as little as possible. And I think when we look at the difference between senior leaders and executives, and then those that may not be at that level yet, but are aspiring to get to that level, it's figuring out how can I be concise? How can I be brief? How can I get to the point? How can I be direct within reason and do it politely and do it with empathy and everything else? But it's that concept of using time well, making sure that you're getting to the point where you need to so that as you have those interactions with senior leaders, you don't feel like you're rambling because I'll go back to what I said a few minutes ago, the most important thing to that level of of an audience is their time. And so when you keep that in mind, if you know you're having interactions with senior leaders or with that executive leadership team, the C-suite, you have to know that going in. And that's where you've got to differentiate what is my need to know information that I'm going to focus on? And what's the nice to know -know information that I don't need to go to unless the audience, that level of of, uh, individual gives me the green light to say, John, I'd love to hear more about that. I want you to take me into the weeds. But you have to get that green light or that permission first before you decide, hey, I'm going to jump into the weeds with Jenny today. And Jenny is thinking or looking at her clock the entire time, realizing I don't have time for this. I did not want the details. I wanted something from a 10,000 foot view.
0: Yeah. And this whole idea of time management that stands out to me, the experience I have in coaching executives is they're not afraid to stop the meeting or the conversation once value has been created or the task to be done is done. Whereas Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily have that same experience when working with non-executives and it takes courage and an understanding of again, what value looks like. I love that. Is there anything else you think non-executives can learn from executives when it comes to either how to manage coaching or how to communicate in a way that allows the message to focus on who the audience is and whatnot, because I find executives are also really good at that.
1: Yeah, I love when executives are coachable. And I think there's this coachability aspect that allows them to realize, regardless of my title or my position or my role, I don't know everything. And I love when they have that approach because it allows me to really do what what I feel I do best and provide value, open eyes, make small changes or iterations, It's challenging. And I've had experiences with this throughout the years where you work with an executive, a C-suite person, a senior leader, and they basically say, John, I've been through this before. I know everything about communicating or I feel like I don't need this coaching. I don't need to be here. That's challenging because they're resistant to, to shift, to change, to buy in. And it just makes that interaction more difficult. And so I would, I would advise anyone that's looking to get to that senior level, which I would imagine is most of us at some point, we want to continue advancing and promoting throughout our roles and careers, be open and be willing to being coached. I think that coachability aspect, and you look at it from athletics, great athletes are great athletes because they are able to be coached. Great coaches are great coaches because they say, I can take a phenomenal performer, a phenomenal athlete, and I can coach he or she or they through different changes and iterations and move the needle just a little bit. But any little bit of development can be huge at that level as we think about moving and again, creating change, moving cultures, shifting or driving visions and missions, all those things make a difference, but you have to be able to be coachable in order for that to happen.
0: Yeah. It reminds me of that story of Atul Gawande, the surgeon, who's also a fantastic author. He talks about how I I believe in his forties, he had been in his, his career doing surgery for many, many years. And he was at the top of his field and he felt as though he was on a plateau and it was really uncommon for people in that position to bring in a coach. And yet what he did is he outside hired a retired, I believe a retired surgeon to come in and observe him doing surgery. And the impact that that coaching had on him, he said was tremendous. And all they did were little tweaks. I think one of them was that the coach recommended that he adjust the angle of his elbow when he was doing something. And yet it had an impact on the outcome of that surgery. And I do find executives appreciate those small little tweaks as well, because typically those small things have the greatest impact. And those of us that don't appreciate those little nuances miss out, I think, on a really big opportunity to distinguish ourselves amongst our peers or others that we're working
1: alongside. Yeah. And small details matter so much. And I think that's, that's what I noticed most from my interactions with senior leaders in the C-suite is their willingness and openness to small changes. And again, we go back to the golf analogy, it can be the slightest difference in wrist angle, or to your point, the surgeon analogy there, the elbow shift, maybe it's shifting weight to the front hip versus the back hip, all of these tiny minor adjustments are what make the difference at the end of the day. And it's not reinventing the wheel every time and I know that most executives will say I'm not interested in that which is great. It's the coach's job and the coach's responsibility to realize, okay, if we just make some small iterations, here's how profound the impact will be.
0: Is there a any one executive coaching session that stands out to you or that's memorable you can share with us from your previous 10 plus years doing this? Yeah,
1: there's been a bunch. I think one that stands out the most, I worked with an individual. He was a CEO at the time leading an organization and he came in. He had not been coached before. He was young for his level, for sure, but hadn't been coached before formally. He said, I remember I went through some courses in college and courses in MBA school that touched on effective communication. He said to me, he said, John, I have a stutter. When I get nervous or I get in front of a large audience or I get in front of content that maybe I'm not as familiar with, but I'm still responsible for taking the audience through that message, I tend to have a stutter. And it was a very small technique change that we shifted with the eye contact. And that's what typically drives either stuttering, stammers, the non-words, but in two 90-minute sessions, we saw significant changes in his ability to really be able to cleanly deliver messages. And it was something that he said he knew he acknowledged at the front end. He said, I'm not shy about it. I really don't let it get in my way. I realize it's something that happens and I'd love to find out how I can manage that or start to avoid it from happening more frequently. But it's one of those things that he was so open to changing or trying some new techniques. And as soon as he made those small adjustments, the impact was significant. And he, w- he was, we, we video record everything. So he was able to see the difference between his first video recording where I hadn't introduced any skills. I basically said, let's take a baseline or a benchmark. Let's see where your skill set is at now. We made some changes in the moment. We adjusted some things, we practiced, we video recorded. And by the time we were finished on session two, he saw huge improvements. So that's what I love most about these types of exposures is seeing people get excited about the small changes that they're able to make and realizing, I didn't know what I didn't know coming into this. And I love what I now know because of of going through this experience.
0: Great story. And also impressive because it is difficult if you have a stutter or a stammer to one, admit that. And most often we find, It holds people back who are highly competent and who have a lot to offer within their organizations. It holds them back from stepping forward. And yet, as you're saying, really, it could be a matter of just a couple of short coaching sessions and being open to receiving feedback and working through that, that the tremendous changes can happen, which really would greatly Improve someone's confidence and willingness to step forward and maybe take more responsibility and put themselves in front of more people.
1: Yeah. And those soft skills, I think, sometimes often get overlooked. And people say, I didn't know that these were learnable or teachable. And we think about uh, the social skills or our ability to communicate effectively. It's a learnable, teachable skill set. Everybody has the opportunity to get better or become more effective within that. And We aren't here to say what you're doing is bad, what we're doing is good. It's more of looking at this effectiveness spectrum and saying, look, there are things that you could be doing that will allow you to be more effective when you speak or communicate. There are things or habits that you've created over the years that would be maybe keeping you on the less effective side. Let's make some changes. Let's make some iterations and alterations so that we can move you on that scale or spectrum so that each and every time you speak or communicate, you're as effective as you could possibly be.
0: I say that often to the people I work with is you you're getting hundreds of reps and you're practicing something every day. Do you know what you're practicing? You're perfecting yeah. some type of communication, speaking or presentation skills, whether you're aware of it or not. Yep. So why not learn how to be more effective doing that? So all of the hundreds of reps that you get every day, you practice perfectly. And you practice skills that will make you more effective.
1: Yep. And it's intentional practice. And this is something we always say in our programs, this is not a skill set that should be used from eight o'clock to five o'clock Monday through Friday. That leaves a whole lot of time left on the table that you could be getting repetitions. You could be fine tuning that craft, sharpening those tools to add to the toolkit in your social interactions. And most people will say, John, I'd probably argue that I would communicate more Personally or socially than I would professionally. And I think this idea of strictly presenting, I know we talked about that in the last webinar or the last uh, podcast. Strictly presenting, maybe people say, John, I only do that formally two, three times a year. And it's like, okay, well, you communicate all the time. You're doing it with family, friends, spouses, colleagues, kids, everybody. Use the skills well so you can continue sharpening those and they just become automatic. Mm -hmm. And you know, great, when I'm opening my mouth, I'm going to be effective as I'm doing it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. To close things out here, what advice would you give people who communicate up or present up to executives? You've worked with so many now. What do you find that they appreciate when others are communicating with them?
1: Yeah. So it goes back to that idea of brevity. When you know you're interacting with that higher level, the senior leadership team, the C-suite, make sure you go in with information that you feel is need to know to them. And you can even open that talk. And a lot of people look at this as more of an executive summary, or let me talk you through the high level points I think we need to touch first that I feel are most important. And then if there's areas you would like me to go into more depth, please share that with me. And I'm happy to go into those weeds with you. But knowing that upfront has more of a proactive approach as opposed to reactive. And now I like to tell people, you get to play a little bit more offense, You get to lead the dialogue, you move in the directions, but you're not having to play defense so much because if you go in and you want to share the entire forest with that level of audience, they may not want that. And then what happens is they start to pull the information out of you. And they jump in, they interrupt, they interject, they raise a hand and say, John, can you tell me more about this? Can you tell me what's most important here? Can you tell me why we're going this direction with a recommendation versus another? And all I'm doing now is fielding questions I'm being very reactive to it. And it feels like I'm playing much more defense than offense. And I like to tell people, if you can control your controllables, you know who your audience is. The hope would be that you know who your audience is. When you know it's going to be senior level, go in with a plan, make sure you touch and focus on what you feel is most important to them and let them know. I feel what's most important to you is blank. I am happy or willing to go into any level of depth that you require, but I really want to make the best use of our time here. Put a period, stop talking, and let them decide where they want you to go next.
0: That's fantastic. Terrific. And we've been talking about coaching. This is a good time to mention in a couple of weeks here on Monday, July 11th and Tuesday, July 12th, I'll be hosting an in-person group public presentation skills program in Columbus, Ohio. So if anyone's listening and this has intrigued you enough to want to come and participate, receive some coaching, get some video taping in that will be linked in the show notes. And then it's also on our website. John, again, enjoyed chatting with you today and thanks for all of the fantastic information.
1: Always, Jenny, it's been a pleasure. I'm looking forward to the next one.
0: Thanks for listening to the Speak as well as You Think podcast brought to you by Vautier Communications and I am your host, Jenny Rerick. Vautier Communications is in the business of business communications. We coach and train both individuals and groups on how to elevate their presence and increase their impact through the way they communicate, present, and write. If you want to learn more about our in-person or virtual training options, visit our website, www.vautiercommunications.com. That's V-A-U-T-I-E-R communications.com. Thanks for listening.